Welcome back to Sci-Fi Cross-Sections, a weekly podcast dedicated to everything science fiction. It's me, your sci-fi boy, Colin Brandon, and with me tonight is... I am Ben Young. I'm Bill Jarvis. Andrew's back. And tonight we are talking about children of men. But before we get into that, Ben Young, what is new in the realm of science fiction? Hello, everyone. We have two pieces of news to talk about today. First off, Disney announced this week that the group of defected clone soldiers from Star Wars The Clone Wars, known as the Bad Batch, will be getting their own animated series on Disney+. Details are pretty scarce at this time, but we do know that the show will be dropping in 2021, and Dave Filoni is set to return as executive producer. So stay tuned to our social media for more information on that. I'm excited. Yeah. Is that all you have for us tonight? No, we got one more, sadly. Um, sad to report that Mythbuster and fellow sci-fi nerd Grant Imahara passed away this week at the age of 49. Oh, my God. From a brain aneurysm. What? I didn't hear that. Right, really? Oh, oh God. Sorry. No, Dude, wait, I'm you sorry. really didn't hear that? No, I actually didn't hear about that at all until just the oh, second. Fuck oh, fuck, bud. Jeez, I'm sorry. No. I, I didn't mean to I, I mean, <laughs> drop the news no, like this. No, I mean, obviously, you know, I mean... Um, I mean, I've heard, I would have heard about it one way or the other. Just, yeah, that was actually, uh, I loved Mythbusters. I, I think a lot of us loved Mythbusters growing up. And no, so, yeah, uh, it's really, that's no. really rough, actually. I, I grew up with Mythbusters and I also, so slightly aside, he actually played Sulu on the Star Trek Continues series that has come out in the last couple of years. Unfortunately, I will say that the series is forever tarnished for me because uh, Vic Mignogna is also in the series as Kirk, but he played Sulu. And uh, yeah, um, I just I was gonna say, in addition to busting myths, Grant was he was one of the not just played Sulu, he was one of the minds behind the web series of Star Trek Continues. Oh, you know that. And he was the operator for R two D two at Industrial Light and Magic for all the Star yep. Wars prequels. Yeah, he worked on all the prequels for Industrial Light and Magic, also THX, I'm pretty sure he did work for. So, Yeah, he was he was an on-air mentor for many of us growing up, and he will be sorely, sorely missed. And it's just, brain rooms are fucking stupid, dude, like, out of nowhere. It's scary. It's, it, it's honestly really scary stuff that, I mean, you could just be, I mean, God only knows what he was doing at the time of his death, but yeah, to just, uh, to just sort of go like that. So so suddenly, it just reminds you of the fragility of human existence. I like to think he was busting myths. <laughs> one, one would only hope, really. <laughs> uh, that does it for all of the late of the sci-fi news today. For all the latest and greatest sci-fi news, follow us on Facebook.com/slash Sci-Fi Cross Sections, and on Twitter <laughs> at SF Cross Sections. Back to you, Overlord. Thank you, Ben. Uh, in case. Uh, anyone cares uh there is a trailer out now for uh star trek uh lower decks oh i forgot so, about that one sorry yeah you should, you, you uh, should, yeah, yeah it looks very funny so i think that'll uh that'll be a good one to watch as well probably do a cast on it maybe a bonus episode who knows anyways uh today we are here to talk about children of men the 2006 dystopian science fiction film uh directed by alfonso Kioron. Did I do it wrong? No, it's fine. He lost the flow? 
Sorry. Man, <laughs> it's it's it sounded it sounded really French when you said it there. It was like yeah. Curon. It was like look that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> can't do this again. Anyways, the screen the screenplay is by Alfonso Cuarón, also uh, Timothy J. Sexton, David Arada, Mark Fergus, and Hawk Otsby. So before I go further, I just want to point out that Mark Fergus and Hawk Otsby are two of the writers for the show The Expanse. Hmm. They are the one like. So the the series, the novels are written by James S. A. Corey, which is David Abraham and Ty Frank, right? And uh, Mark Fergus and Hawk Osby are two of the people that translate it to screen. They write the scripts for it. Cool. Yeah, good guys. Um, which going into the Expanse, that was one of the biggest things for me is. These guys were attached to Children of Men, so I automatically was gung-ho about it. Um, so, yeah. Anyways. <clears throat> Anyways, the, uh, the movie is based on Children of Men by P.D. James. Starring Clive Owen, Julianne Moore, Michael Caine, or as Bill would say... Marco Caine. Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor and Charlie Hunnam. The the budget for this film was $76 million, and the box office was $70 million. Ooh. This is why good sci-fi shouldn't be made in theaters. But anyways. No, it should be made in theaters, and people should go see it. I'm sorry. I was speaking like a uh, Hollywood executive. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, and then... We'll blow uh, Transformers 10 out of the water with that budget. But anyways, Ben, what the fuck is this movie about? So glad you asked. In 2027, the world has fallen into chaos. A former activist turned government employee is recruited by his ex-wife to transport the first pregnant woman in 18 years across Britain to a sanctuary where she can be safe from being used as a political pawn. It's Children of Men! Beautiful. Gorgeous. Crushed it. Like, like it clearly, clearly, its marketing wasn't working before. If it only made seventy million dollars in the box office, so I'm I'm doing my part to kind of spice it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think it's a marketing issue. I just don't think this plot is accessible to the common man, mm. to the common person. It's called Children of Men. I should hope it'd be accessible <laughs> to men. Is that why we're starting? Because I'm going to disagree with you there, because. I fullheartedly believe that this movie is is on the same caliber, if not greater than movies like Saving Private Ryan, where it comes to like must see blockbusters. I never saw it. <laughs> well, I've never seen this, and I was I was always told to by many people, and it was just like, yeah, 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 I'll add it to the list. You know, there is no list, but uh, there there is a list for me now. There's a schedule where I have to watch something every week. 
and this finally came up, and like I'm, I'm furious with myself that I haven't seen this movie. I had 14 years to watch this movie, and I'm just now watching it now. Mm-hmm. And it truly is a a masterpiece in every way. So I, I think it's definitely a marketing piece because if anyone saw it, if more and more people saw it, it, sh- it should have spread word of mouth. It should have because that's what Saving Private Ryan was. Saving Private Ryan, Ryan was a was a movie that shouldn't have done well, and a bunch of people went to see it because it was a World War II movie. And it turned out that it was a really good World War II movie. So what? Uh, I say Saving Private Ryan just because it has the same aesthetic at the end of the day. It has the same kind of cinematography style, same kind of look. I want to talk about that. Yeah, but you also have names like Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks attached to Saving yeah. Private Ryan. Which true. will literally draw people to a movie theater. That's true. And Alfonso Cuaron, while big now, was definitely not big back in 2006 he had just come off of like i think his big one was e2 mama tambien yeah never saw it prisoner of azkaban uh, obviously isn't that wasn't that chris columbus no 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 yeah uh, columbus dropped off after the second one oh, okay. but he came back for later ones did he uh-huh I'm, i didn't know that i didn't I know. know i just remember hating him because he's a colonizer <laughs> Not the same um, guy. Not yeah, the same guy. I mean, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. If you were like Azkaban, a womanizer or something, then yeah, I could guess. But yeah, Prisoner of Azkaban would it be was the movie before Children of Men. He had a he had a movie called Perijetami. I don't speak. Oh, uh, Perijetam. Belly Ditam. That was uh, that was he was probably one of the short films in there. Let me see. Oh, okay, Ditam got it, got it, got it. Yeah. Segment Park Monceau. Yeah, Park Monceau. Um, but yeah. You're right. His name didn't really hold a lot of meaning, nor does really Clive Owens in 2006, I guess, at the end of the day. Oh, no. I think Clive Owen was probably at his biggest in 2006. Oh, absolutely. I, I, really? I saw him on the off. cover. I saw him on the cover, and I'm like, oh, shit, Clive Owen's in this. He's always pleasantly, I'm always pleasantly surprised to see him in so, a lot of things. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this, and you guys can disagree. Clive Owen is literally the English fucking Nick Cage. Yes. Oh yeah, they even kind of look similar. No, he one hundred percent is. I, I, I'm sorry, Nick Cage is at least aware of what Nick Cage means, mm-hmm. so he like uses it. He acts on it. Clive Owen started really strong in his career, a lot of good roles, a lot of good movies, and he kind of just like petered off to the point where he literally now just does B and C movie type shit. What uh? What were some of those roles? He did Hellraiser back in the eighties, right? Clive Owen did. That's Clive Barker. God, Jesus Christ! It's a bad that? Clive Barker joke. <laughs> Why do I do this? Why do I come on here every week just to hear stupid shit like that? <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, Clive Owen did start in the eighties, but nothing of note. Hmm. I yeah I mean yeah I feel no I think I think he's on like like B and C movie film and then independent film I think he's doing a mix of both well I know but like all right so 2004 King Arthur yeah and then he did closer and then Sin City oh, like, King Arthur sucks yeah and then yeah. in and then Inside Man and then Shoot 'Em Up he Shoot had a, a a good fucking fun. stretch of movies that Shoot were up was kind uh, of fun. I guess in the forefront of cinema like they were just throwing Clive Owen at you 
And he kind of petered off. But I think Children of Men was around the time of his pinnacle of his time in the spotlight, I guess. Mm. Anyway. I guess. But still, he's not like a blockbuster name. Like, people aren't going to go be like, you want to go see Owen that? Clive Owen is a blockbuster name. You want to go see that though. Clive Owen flick? You want to go see Clive that? Clive Owen was a blockbuster name. I, oh my I really God. think he was. I, I love that Clive Owen and his flip-flops. It's just, uh, give me a movie where I could stare at his feet for an hour and I'm just good. I am good. No I one don't said know that. Listen, listen. I think no one said that. Is what I'm saying. Listen, listen, guys. I think I don't say that shit about fucking Robert Downey Jr. Anybody gonna fucking listen to me? King. I asked. I specifically asked you to listen. Um. So I think that. Thank you. We heard. Thank you. So I was going to. Um. I was gonna say. I feel like he's gonna pull a Kevin Costner, where he does like uh, some like he does Waterworld, and then like does like. Like comes back and he like makes some really good parts, except he's gonna do it British. So yeah. So here's the thing: I, I watched this movie a couple of years ago called Last Nights. Mm-hmm. Like like K N I G H T S Last Nights, starring Clive Owen. Uh, he played the character Raiden, and I watched it. And at the end of it, I I told myself, he's fucking done. He will never come back with a blockbuster hit. This is literally like Nick Cage level action movie. Mm-hmm. He's done. Yeah. Maybe. He's done. Maybe. And now he's playing Bill Clinton in American Crime Story, so. And no one's going to care. Oh. That is Clive Owen. Guys, I'm saying wait nine to ten years when he's the same age as Kevin Costner and watch for that comeback, okay? You think he'll play Costner in the Costner biopic? Yes, absolutely, 100%. King if, of Costner. If Clive Owen does no. not play uh, Kevin Costner, I will quit. He, uh, quit he, did do that. he did just have that show, The Nick, which I heard was very good. Just for Oh, it's good if you like and, um, gory, sci- or gory uh, turn-of-the-century medical dramas. And by just had the show, apparently that show came out five years, ended five years ago. So Probably. It, just did it. He just did it. It was five years ago. You should check out this new show I heard about. It's called The Nick. Mm-hmm. It's long done, but it's it's good. It just happened. Just came out What's five it years ago. It's and the, you know the what? Nick, but with a K, because it's like last it's... night. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. It was it was short for the Knickerbocker. It was about um the the hospital. I don't think you could say that. I'm but, sorry. Um, I'll God, say whatever I, I want. You. It's 2018. God. Ugh. Okay, <laughs> let's just ignore that happened. Um, yeah. So I am, um, yeah, terrible. So I was gonna say, um, I feel like they're tapping that, uh, you know, that niche, you know, that turn of the century thriller, you know, sort of a uh, hospital show. So that's a really okay. popular niche right now. Yeah, that and, uh, <laughs> that's popular Nick. <laughs> oh, there we go. There we go. Wait. What are we talking about? Fuck. Absolutely <laughs> nothing. Absolutely fucking guys. nothing. Welcome back so, to Sci-Fi Cross Yeah. <laughs> um, children. Of, we're, we're watching Children of People. Yeah, Children of Children Nick. of Dudes. Children, children dudes. of Nick. Children my, of Dudes. Fun fact. I just want to share really quick before we continue. Um, my brother and I are children of Jen. Mm. Oh. Mm, good point. Okay. Good point. I think that's interesting. Thanks for sharing. I think that wraps up the episode. That's, yeah. that's good. Adios. <laughs> so I so you were talking about earlier 
I don't know if we're going to go in depth with any sort of format here, but I was going to speak to what you were saying about the cinematography. Do it. Uh, yes, I was going to say. So someone described it in a um, in a review that is dialectical. So if you are not a cinematography student, um, when something... Oh, wait. It turns out this is all wrong. <laughs> this is all wrong. Let me explain why. There's a term called diegetic. And yes. I thought... I was thinking diegetic with this yes. because it's very... Gecko it's very medics. much in the scene. You you know, you have these long six-minute shots and everything. I feel like you are, in a way, a character in the scene. Yes. That As is the cinematography, they want you to be part of the scene. And, you know, you have to feel like you're part of this refugee camp. You have to feel like you're part of this, you know, uh, oppressive society. And I, one thing I'm going to say at the beginning here is don't rent this movie, buy it. Because renting it is a waste of money. You need to watch it two or three times. And you start to catch little things out of it. You start to catch these little things out of it. So it's worth the purchase uh, rather than renting it. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I've already regret renting it. I'm going to order a Blu-ray and have it shipped mm -hmm. to my house because uh, I, I do want to watch it again. That's a, that's a good point about diegetic uh, cinema. Um, it's interesting because diegetic and non-diegetic is a term that originates in sound in film. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, what it means for for the layman uh, is diegetic uh, is sound in the scene. So um, that knock you may have just heard is me knocking on my desk. It is in this scene, which means that it is diegetic. However, if you were to hear uh, the song that is currently in my head, that is not in this moment. It is not in the scene. It is mm -hmm. non-diegetic. Um, so when you hear a song in a movie that's not playing on the radio, it's non-diegetic. It's playing on the radio, it's diegetic. Go ahead. A cool thing about that, filmmakers like to uh, play around with that a lot. Mm -hmm. So like what'll be like in a scene, there'll be the music playing, and then you'll go into a scene and it's playing on the radio. That's yeah. that's going from diegetic to non-diegetic, or non-diegetic to diegetic. To pull you in. Which is really cool. Which is really cool. I like, I like when, when you start to notice these things that happen. Yeah, and it's to pull you in, and it's actually uh, how Alfonso Cuaron and Emmanuel Lubezki start their film. Um, the camera begins very static, and it's very movie-like. It's very cinema-like, and then it changes as Clive Owen leaves the cafe. It pulls you into the world suddenly, and as it turns around and you see the bomb explode, it, the camera kind of rocks a little bit, and it's... It's it's a shocking moment because they pulled you in. It wasn't you you they pulled you from an observer from an observer to a participant, and from there you're a participant all the way through. And it's it's just a really magnificent uh, masterclass in in cinematography. I've always really loved Emmanuel Lubezki. I think he's he was like he Emmanuel Lubezki is always the best part of Alejandro Giannaritu. I don't think you know I don't think Giannaritu is good. He's, but he would not be as good as he is without Lubeski at his side. So I think, uh, like the Revenant would not have won the awards it did if it if if Lubeski didn't shoot it. Uh, Birdman shouldn't have won Best Picture as it is, but it wouldn't have won Best Picture without Lubeski. So I think this is his best film. I think he 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 keeps his single shots long, uh, but they're never too long. They're never distracting. And you, every time you're like, I'm going to try and find the cut, 
you forget because you're pulled in. And I think this is, uh, out of everything I've seen from this dude, this is a, a masterpiece. I don't really have a lot to say in the, in the, in the terms of sci-fi. So like when it comes to the movie stuff, I just, yeah, that's where I'll, I'll I'm going to talk today. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I think that's fair because I think a lot of this film, this is kind of a meta film in a lot of ways. Like a lot of it is like a film about filmmaking in a couple ways in the way that it's portrayed and the way that it, you know, you have these interesting sort of you know off the beaten path sort of you know six minute steady shot six minute steady shot you, you never see it in like at a main blockbuster action film you don't see it you know it's a million cuts every second and to have like this this chase scene in the middle of the woods you know panning there's some sort of digital cuts happening but like it like you said you get so pulled in you don't even notice and it's like this this beauty of it and um and it really the woods, pulls you by in. the way sorry for interrupting there are no cuts in the, in that shot in the woods in the car that's all that's all one did they have to do some crazy fucking acrobats there's a, a there's a cameraman on top of the car and the camera is in the center of the car and uh-huh. he's turning it as they're driving back and forth oh shit mm-hmm. okay yeah there's some really okay. cool behind the scenes shit for that that's awesome mm-hmm. yeah definitely worth worth can um but uh yeah no, no and i feel like that's fair i feel like it's fair to look at it as a film but like um like but as a general themes, I think that the sci-fi is really cool too. Makes you ask a lot of questions. So, yeah, overlook. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm sure you guys have lots to say about that. Was, I just wanted to get all my camera shit out of the way because, no. like, at the end of the day, like this movie has a fantastic story. It has fantastic themes, very relevant, very very timeless, and more relevant now than ever. Honestly, actually, and uh. I, I, but, but it's at the end of the day, it's just such a fucking beautiful movie. It's really like, I can't overstate it. Well, as long as we're getting into, I guess what this movie's about, we kind of just sidestep the production and then the sci-fi aspect. Caroline brought this up to me and she said a large part of this has to do with religion. And if you actually look at the source material, it 100% is about religion. Um. Oh, I mean, shit. Uh, Clive Owen's so, a Joseph figure, right? It, well, no. What I'm, I'm saying is, uh, it's called religion of men. Ch- right? Well, the 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 children of men is an allegory derived from the passage of scripture in the Bible, uh, Psalm ninety. How you fucking say it? I don't know. Psalm ninety. Psalm. Psalm. Yeah. Psalm. Psalm. Yeah. Sorry. Why why'd they put a P in there? This is a Christian nation. You should know that. This is a Christian podcast. This is a Christian Why? Po- <laughs> Psalm. Anyways. Um, Pronounce the Thou turnest man to destruction and sayest return ye children of men. Mm. Could you repeat that? Sure. Thou turnest man to destruction and sayest return ye children of men. Mm. That's interesting. You didn't have to read such an outdated translation. Okay, what do you want me to say? There's the I don't know international Look up version. the NIV. Yeah, NIV. Yeah. You want me to say a, a, mod, a modern version saying the KJV. Bruh. The K- what what throws you off Bruh, there, destruction. Is it the word? Is it the word thou? Damn. No. Bruh, destruction. <laughs> Damn. Lit. Sayest. Return. <laughs> you just should have been. What? Oh that shit! Modern? That means a lie. Yeah. 
God's matter? like, God was like, destroy shit, but then he was like, wait, no, don't. It says, you turn people to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. That's weak. That is weak yeah, that sauce. Sucks. That's awful. Whoever That's translated That's more metal that than uh, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Weak. We commend Colin Brandon to the earth's so, crust. I, I, I'm sorry. Okay, I, could, but, could you, but literally, it's. <laughs> Colin, could I you was read it what again? The fucking original. No, no, no. I get it. Could you read it again? I'm curious. In Hebrew. It, it, in Hebrew it this time. something in for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> nope. <laughs> but anyways, thou turnest man to destruction and sayest return, ye children of men. That's interesting. And I don't know if I'm interpreting this right, but I think my, my favorite part in the movie is towards the end when um, Theo and Key are coming out of the building with the baby. And the, the, everyone's seeing it, and everyone's stopping. The whole the whole battle is 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 coming to an halt. A halt. The military comes to to come in. They they see the baby. They all order a ceasefire. Everyone's admiring this this baby, the first baby they've seen in eighteen years. And then someone fires a rocket launcher out of the building as everyone's cleared it, and the fighting just continues. Mm-hmm. And I I I. I didn't I was actually brought to tears, very nearly brought to tears. I wasn't wasn't bawling, but I was choking up a bit when they were coming out of the building. I was it was a beautiful sequence, mm-hmm. and then that rocket launcher comes out, and I couldn't help but laugh. I just instinctively laughed mm-hmm. because I was like, I was like a fucking course, of yeah. course. Like here's this beautiful, incredible moment for these people's history. It's a miracle, and it, it's 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 literally a miracle, and they. <laughs> And and now back to fighting, and they just go back at it, and to the point where they don't even care about the baby. They they Theo and Key are able to escape. They're able to slip out of there. No one notices them because suddenly the fighting is more important again. And I I think that was that was that was very poignant, especially for 2020. Yeah, 2027. No, I mean for right now. <laughs> yeah, I um no, I agree. I I actually stopped at that point because I had seen that scene before. I had seen this like movie, it didn't really mean as much to me before as as it does now. But when I saw it before, that scene was still so powerful. And uh, when I was watching it, Emily was just like on her phone, whatever. And I said, Emily, I know you have no idea what this movie is about, but here's a rundown. Nobody's seen a baby in 18 years. Now you got to watch this scene. You have to watch this scene. Just watch this scene and just know that. And like, it's just so powerful, even in that context. Like, it's so like. I don't know. It's just, it, it's something I've noticed in my personal life, to be totally honest. And I don't mean to divulge from, you know, sci-fi, but I really think that this film does um, diverge. I meant diverge from sci-fi, but in my personal life, I've noticed the power of children, the power of life, the power to bring peace. And so like when I saw that, it was super powerful to me because there have been tumultuous tumultuous relationships in my life that have come to peace that have been settled because of my children that have been, you know, my children have, you know, been around for things and things have been okay because of them. And it's like this weird sort of thing that happens when new life, when people see new life 
it's a very human instinctual thing. It brings peace to us. Like our animal instincts just say we're at peace. And like, yeah, I just, I noticed these things. And it's like, you see, like it's the visceral experience of seeing, um, you know, internment camps with children in it. You know, when you go back to the Holocaust, the, you know, the sort of uh, scenes that they do to kind of pull the empathy from you as children. We're always trying to save the children, you know? And it's like this, it was like this scene that was just pure that, you know, and that's, it was really powerful to me. I think it's powerful to anybody that watches it. Mm-hmm. I'm not even that, that big of a fan of kids, to be honest. And, and even, even that scene towards the end that Ben was talking about where there's the just massive ceasefire had me like, wow, you know, I mean, I, I, I could see like how, how this, this, this new life, you know, this untainted life, you know, could, could cause like a big ceasefire like this in the midst of, in the midst of all of this happening. And like I said, and really go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and it, it, I mean, the baby represents hope in that moment. Yes. There's hope. The audience feels hope for a moment until it's completely destroyed. Yes. Yeah. Hope is destroyed. I it's, and it's really interesting to me because I, I, I definitely probably should have watched this month. Like I said, I should have watched this 14 years ago. So I have, have had time to think about it, but that's why, you know, we all come together to, to dissect things and figure out what they mean. And I think one of the, one of the things I'm, I'm, I'm finding difficult is how it's not, you know, there isn't the fighting just starts back up. So it's, it's, it's for a moment, a very beautiful message and something very hopeful, like you said, and then it's not anymore. And is is Coron really just saying like? At one point, Theo says that it's too late. He say he he says even if they find a way to fix the infertility, it's already too late. And then he says he corrects himself. He goes he goes no. He's like fuck that. It was too late eighteen years ago when it all started. So, I think that's the uh, I, I don't want to say like thesis of the film, but it's not about the children and it's not about hope it's about I don't how, know, just how like we a, treat a, each other well it's more like a, a i think it's about a police state type thing it's about it's about government yeah oh, yeah well, yeah it's it's a, it's about government i guess i don't know say being too big but being too controlling yeah being isolationist mm-hmm. yes being xenophobic and they're they're riding on the fear to control the people, I guess. I don't know. I mean, if you see it yeah. as, as two sides of human nature, you have hopeful, optimistic, <laughs> beautiful side, and then you have this warring, basic animal instinct. I mean, both of those are animal instinct. You know, love and love and war, and it's... I feel like in that scene, it's kind of obviously very, very juxtaposed, where it's like, okay, you have this thing that humans are capable of, hu- human love and, and uh, admiration for life, and then you have this death and death and violence which is very much a part of being human as well is death and violence and so you know it's like you have these two right put right next to each other yeah yeah life and death happening all at once mm-hmm. i think that's i think that's definitely a side to it um i i i was gonna say something oh the fishes um 
what this also could be is just like we said, it, it's about government, but it could also just be a, a full on critique of of war and warring parties at the end of the day. Um, the idea of innocence being caught in the crossfire. Theo ends up dying, um, not having deserved it, really. A good death, a peaceful death at the end of the day. Um, but he, he's an innocent caught in the crossfire, someone who was just trying to do good every second. It, it, he was never... Something I found interesting about Theo, something I was kind of always waiting for, is he never seemed to be motivated selfishly. Julian Julian accuses him of doing this for the money, but he he calls her out on it, and I believe him. He's not doing it for the money. He's doing it for her, and that's why he continues to do it is because she dies, and he feels that he owes it to her. He doesn't need to do it. He he doesn't need to do a damn thing once he learns that Julian's that uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor. I forget his character's name. Kills uh kill was the one who's who orchestrated Julian's death. He could have just left. It, that could have been that if he was a selfish asshole. But he was well, selfless. He did try to leave that night. They said that it wouldn't work out until the morning, though. And that, that's uh, when... Um... Luke. I'm sorry. It was Luke. Luke? Yes. He, I, he brought up leaving, but he never did. And I, He I, wanted to, and then she showed him that actions she was over, pregnant. True. Actions over words at the end of the day for me, but... Sure. And I mean, yeah, and I mean, he did, he did ultimately fulfill, you know, what he had said that he would do. Um, I mean, it, it did take that last little push, you know? Um, sure. so he, he might've been acting selfishly, but I mean, I, I would say he's pretty altruistic, you know, I mean, ho holding on to a hope, um, that for all intents and purposes, he had let die with his, you know, child. Yeah. I mean, well, and, and Quaron, put him in flip-flops for a majority of the film as well. Uh, no doubt incredibly symbolic to to some biblical references. I, I, walking, I did... in, walking in the shoes of uh, those less fortunate. Oh, because he also became good. a refugee. That's good. That's good. I saw, I saw him kind of taking on a Joseph figure as well, but that seems to be a very elementary like when i look at him like that's that's a, that seems very obvious that seems like that's not like a, as deep as we can go i like the the walking in the shoes <laughs> of the less fortunate that's that's good mm -hmm. yeah i mean i th i feel like um speaking of the less fortunate i thought it was very interesting to um kind of experience you know the refugee life that they were they were speaking of to really see that, you know, in a, in a lot of ways, it was kind of, it was very stark in a lot of ways that this could really happen. You know, you, you see it and you're like, well, this has happened before. This is, this is part of what we do when we get taken over by fear, which is another horrible human emotion that we feel that we, um, that feeds into, you know, this sort of collective, um, brutality collective brutality as a police state basically you know is that we fear we're xenophobic and we put people into cages and that's just seems to be what we do <laughs> like like whether you like it or not you know that just seems to be what we do that's what the evidence says and so you know given this extreme situation given the world whole world burning you know they're like well we could be burning or we could, you know, put people in camps. 
it's just i don't know it makes me think a lot it makes me think about a lot about our current situation it makes me think about a lot about what we've done in the past as people and how realistic this actually is you know given the situation yeah. how realistic this this grim future would be i don't, I don't know you know I yeah mean, i was when i was watching it i was definitely like i was like if i if i had seen this 14 years ago i don't think i would i would i don't know if the world's changed or if i've just gotten or if i've grown up and and understood the world better i would i would have seen this as very fictional in my in my youth having watched this i would have been like this is this is good this is very good but this is pure fiction and mm-hmm. as an adult now like the 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 military coming in the the police state that you mention um the fact that that the government's bombing their own fucking buildings to perpetuate fear over a group that's not terrorists but revolutionaries um like fuck well that's all really real right now yeah, <laughs> so no. it's you know like we we are our government right now is is very very close to being no better than this government in this movie so yeah yeah i mean and it's you know it's also like civil rights you know it, it's very much you know harkens to civil rights as human rights you know obviously you know putting bags over people's heads like even reminded me of guantanamo bay you know that sort of thing so yeah i mean dehumanization obviously you know like the 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 guard coming onto the um coming onto the bus and just being like you pe- you people make me sick or you know like you know you know that sort of thing and it's like to realize that people can be so slowly but quickly dehumanized in a way and yeah. to normalize the sort of brutality it's very interesting i don't know it's 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 just it's interesting it's a it's a history of violence you know it's a is that is that a movie i think that's a movie that's a different movie. that's a different <laughs> movie yeah. never mind i saw the wrong movie sorry guys N- not denzel washington <laughs> <laughs> what? what is that is that vigo Mortensen? yeah that's, vigo Mortensen. that's our boy yeah. vigo yeah yeah you're thinking a man that's of not that. even racist that's just wrong yeah, it's it's just just wrong. Wrong. Correct. <laughs> correct that's it's just, just not, not a correct, correct sentence <laughs> <laughs> i um no i it's uh, and that, i think that was man on, american history x american history x man on fire that's whatever not denzel yeah. but yeah um, so yeah no i uh, uh, yeah no so that's i mean dehumanization and violence uh go hand in hand because when you humanize somebody, it's hard to kill them. I also appreciate the very quick lesson that Coron teaches in this movie, uh, in, in the trust of Sid, um, in, in this idea that this oh look at this look at this happy guy who's who's laughing about being called a fascist. Oh man, I'm so glad this good cop is here. And then of course he goes and proves that he's he's. You know, no different than the rest. No, all he needed was different motivation, and his motivation was going to be money. And I, I, I appreciated that lesson that that was thrown in there. This is very much a um a, a very much tonally a post nine eleven movie. Oh yeah. yes, I feel like a lot of those. I feel like a lot of movies that were coming out post nine eleven have this exact same feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like uh, I never saw it, which maybe we should cover the Book of Eli. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel okay. like that has a similar tonality. Any in, in, in any case, I feel like it's a um, little more biblical. 
Well, <laughs> go figure. It's very biblical. Literally, yeah. Um, and then um, <laughs> that is Denzel Washington. Yeah. Yes, that one and is. Then, yes. um, we should. Did, uh, did uh, the adaptation of Cormac McCarthy's The Road come out around this time? Yes, I think it so. did. Yeah, it did. Yeah, I, that's another one that I have to see. Yeah, two thousand nine. Yeah. It was. It was just beyond that point where like we could start talking like post nine eleven, quote unquote, mm, and right. like start talking about the world as as we as we've now come out of it, and not like be upset about it, you know, and. So that's why all these movies just kind of started rolling out the way they did in, mm-hmm. in our high school years, which is strangely formative. Mm-hmm. I got a lot to yeah. think well, about no, it, it's, it's, I would say pre this time, it's really hard to run into a movie that is anti-government because Patriot in the post-9-11 world, for at least a good, I would say, five, six, seven years, to be anti-government is to be anti-patriotic. You know, the country rallies around the flag. The politicians rally around the flag. Oh, I get you. And, I, and I'm just saying in general, if you were to do something anti-government, it would be anti-patriotic. Mm-hmm. And it would be flagged and it would be torn down or ripped to pieces, what have you. And yep. I think this is one of those films, uh, also like V for Vendetta, things like that, that are by the way, both take place in England, but anyways, um, that you can do uh, to kind of just point out against to be against that whole like military state, that uh, oppressive government that I think uh, in the post 9-11 world is actually been amplified when you get things like uh, the Patriot Act and things like that. Uh, Big Brother is more a reality now than it's ever been before 2001. So, uh, am I rambling? I'm sorry. No, no, no. no I mean, maybe it just goes <laughs> no, to show that I, the real fascists I, were the British all along. I was about to say, well, we're actually live right now with the NSA, so I just want to give a big shout out. <laughs> I, they're probably Is listening Snowden, in. Snowden and on there? If they are, fuck them. I just wanted to say with that that, um, Miller, I'm glad you brought up the British thing. I think it goes, I like when, when we see British. Like movies with British settings, like I like Black Mirror a lot for this reason. Movies with British settings that we as Americans can identify with a lot, because it goes to show it's not a government problem. the The, the world, the the problems that we face in our world is not a United States of America problem. It is a problem with the people in charge everywhere. It's a problem with borders. It's a problem with countries. It's a problem with Yes. A broken dem- democratic system or it, a democratic it, system that feeds the people it's, it was built to feed in the first place. Right, right. Well, I, I just want to like uh, piggyback on and say that the attack on the United States on 9-11 was not an attack on the United States. It was an right. attack on the Western civilization. Of course. For the most part. That's, that's what it was. It's just that New York, United States at that time was the pinnacle of western civilization no but i mean i i mean like these movies that show oppressive governments outside of the united states and still quote unquote first world countries yeah and it's still post 9 11 it's like Mm -hmm. that's that's the idea behind it is everyone was affected by it yeah and of course britain wasn't without their own terrorist attacks in the early 2000s no in fact honestly they they got hit pretty hard yeah Mm -hmm. post 9 11 so they just didn't have as big of towers. 
And at the end of the day, you know, these 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 governments responded in they 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 responded in ways that some would say they had no choice, but really what it comes down to is it gave these governments an excuse to control the people more. And I think that that is that's really all it comes down to. I'm not saying Bush did 9/11 or jet fuel doesn't melt steel beams. I'm just saying it gave them the excuse. <laughs> no. I mean, but does I mean, it? I think I think the whole I think the whole immigration theme was really strong and still very relevant. More than blaming ever, yeah. blaming problems on immigrants and whatnot. But that'll never that's that's been since the dawn of civilization and societies blaming problems on immigrants has always been a thing and it will never stop being a thing unfortunately that's an us versus them mentality it's just it's just it's an easy out it's an easy out that they're not uh, the same as us they come from a different place they have their own customs they have their own language and people will always blame it on the immigrant right well that's never stop let's i mean i mean that's that's how that i mean steven pinker if anybody's heard of him just uh if you look if you're able to google steven pinker he um he talks a lot about violence and how like um how the world has actually become less violent recently because we've all become because our tribes have grown so uh since we you know since we have when you shrink your tribe when you shrink your country when you shrink your mindset then you start to have more them than us and so when you have more them than us, then we start to identify less. And when you identify less with people, we think of them as not the same kind of human. We think, well, you know, it, I mean, it's, 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 it's different. It's separate, but equal. But separate. Well, when you, yeah, when you, turn, when you turn everybody else into a threat, it's not unsurprising that you might feel threatened. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And that's how violence works. That's, that's the only way that violence works. The only way that we, we are violent to people is that we dehumanize them. Because if you see someone as the same as you, you don't hurt them. That's just how it is. And it's like, if you, the only way that you hurt somebody is if you see them as outside of your tribe, because if they're outside of your tribe, they could hurt your tribe. And so, you know, it depends on how you define your tribe. And so that might be your country. That might be your family. That might be your friends. And so, you know, when you that might see, be you, that I might mean, be we, me, you know, we, we can't uh, overlook the, the uh, domestic violence aspect, a, tri- right. a tribe called Bill. It's yeah. a new thing. <laughs> but no, no, I, I understand because it could be just you versus the world. I understand what you're saying, yeah. Miller. It could just be like if you're like, um, you know, maybe that's how a psychopath works is that they don't see other people as human. They're only human to themselves. And so they hurt other people. And so when a country in itself becomes psychopathic, then it starts hurting everybody. But um, yeah, no, the, I mean, and this is a perfect demonstration of that. The us versus them and, um, you know, having a small tribe and, and the more you cut people out of your tribe, the easier it is to, to uh, hurt them. So when, uh, you know, <clears throat> when the guard comes on the bus, it's very, very obvious that he's completely dehumanized these people. You know, and they put a sack over their head. They don't see them as human. You know, they put them, you know, they take off their clothes and they put them in a spot. It's like the um, Milgram experiment and the, you know, what is that? The Yale experiment or whatever. Or Stanford, Stanford, Stanford prison experiment. experiment. Uh, Lots of ideas coming out of this, but yeah. Yeah, we can (laughs) pull a lot of things from that. Lots of things. I mean, this is a movie about violence, basically, which is very odd. 
that I we've gotten state, to this point. State sponsored violence. Yes, state sponsored violence. Absolutely. No, that's one hundred percent true. <laughs> like it's it it's a, as a deterrent. Violence as a deterrent. You but, know, but it, but it's based it's based on fear is what the state sponsored violence is. It's a reaction. It's well, that's govern that's that's governing in the twenty first century. Mm -hmm. Governing on the twenty first century is based on fear. Mm -hmm. People look at look at the no, and and I, would, and, and I, I wouldn't I don't, say that. It's, I don't want to okay, get into get too tribalist because and I, I, I'll, I'll make this quick, Colin. I don't want to get too tribalist because you know we just talked about the 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 bad parts of tribalism. But look at the way conservatives are, are running their elections now. It's fear the liberal, fear the left, fear this, fear that. It's all based on a governance right. of fear. Fear the rhythm, fear the right. Get on, get on up. It's push cart time. Cool runnings. Yeah. That's, that's, no. Cool runnings. That's what this movie is about is cool runnings and the yeah. violence that that movie cool represents. <laughs> oh, man. The violence oh, of John boy. Candy. No, it's, he he's must a very be violent stopped. motherfucker. Hey, hey politics uh, basing itself off of uh, fear is nothing new. It's been going on forever and ever and ever. Mm -hmm. It's how it works. True. It's but one could argue it's much more open now at this point. Oh, man. No, honestly, the first half mm, of the 20th century was a lot of based on fear. True. True. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Literally, we fought an entire world war on it. True. It's, it's just, a thing. It's always just uh, it's, it's, it's nothing different. new. It's just like we didn't think it would creep back up like it has, but it has. Cycles. It's all just cycles. I don't know. Anyways, and <clears throat> and, and, and if and once once that little piece of hope comes, uh, we'll just go back to shooting each other at the end of the day. So right. No, that's that's exactly right. That's the cycle. Well, there's a there there's the there's the old phrase this too shall pass you know in times of war there'll eventually be peace and in times of peace something will shatter no that. you're not wrong you're not wrong i just i think that i we make mistakes that we should not make mistakes of i just i feel like this is a aside from this movie this is just a a critique of public education or at least people not paying attention enough during public education is we're making mistakes that we should not make because public education should be there to teach you to not make those mistakes. Yeah. I mean, but they aren't there for that. That's not what teachers get paid for. Well, no, that's what public education literally is. That's is what an educator an informed, should be there for. It's to create sure. an informed population who can then do their civic duty and further our society and we don't have then, that because why people don't, literally don't, why don't they be, do that? because public education is literally just fucking babysitting that's because they have is. because they have for six hours a day in a classroom and it's difficult Monday through Friday that's literally what anything. public education has become is just fucking watching people's kids while they go to work that's all it is no one fucking cares the teachers don't care the students don't care the parents don't care they say they care they don't it's all literally just people keeping people busy. I'm sorry, I'm done. Anyways, <laughs> capitalism. <sighs> What's Boys. your degree again? Yeah, Colin? all we have to do is make people that are. Don't worry about it. Make people that are happy to make money. Mm -hmm. Anyways, here we are. Is this oh. good sci-fi or bad oh, sci-fi? Specifically, I just, I specifically right make somebody Whoa. else money. 
Yes. Yeah. Oh, I want to make money <laughs> just, so bad. He took it further. Please support us on Patreon. Please just give, give us me money. Just give Patreon. me money so I can be happy. Speaking Andrew of, Miller on Patreon. You can buy all my news, all my loose. Of, <laughs> all my <laughs> speaking of making somebody else money, check out our Patreon about patreon.com forward slash. At the end, 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 at the end. And check out my OnlyFans. Okay, go ahead. Good sci fi, bad sci fi. <laughs> ben, throw it at me. Let's go. Uh, magnanimous sci-fi in the words of our buddy, buddy Jason. Uh, <laughs> it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Which... I can't recommend it enough. It needs to go down in the books. It's, it will become, it's become one of my favorite sci- pieces of sci-fi film. Um, it, it may overtake some Denny movies. So, Oh uh, boy. Yeah. And we know Ben loves Denny. I do love my Denny. So, um, uh, fantastic. I can't recommend it enough. Watch it once. Watch it twice. Watch it with your significant other. Make your parents watch it. Uh, tell them why they're wrong when they say the Muslims were the, were the people in the wrong at the end. Um, and then watch it three more times after that. Thank you, Ben. Couldn't agree more. Um, Thanks for mentioning Jason, because I know he's been looking forward to this movie for a long fucking time, but couldn't make it tonight, but I'm sure he'll speak his piece another time. Quit your job, Jason. I feel like uh, magnanimous sci-fi has become a a sci-fi boy, like mainstay i don't think it's well, i don't maybe, think it's just him anymore well maybe i've we'll used make, magnanimous before maybe we'll make a, a t-shirt for it who knows i'd love oh, I to like make it. a t-shirt all right uh bill jarvis okay the definition of magnanimous generous or forgiving especially toward a rival or less peaceful or less powerful person so i believe that this this film is generous it forgives you <laughs> especially towards us less powerful people and so i feel i believe that it is in fact magnanimous sci-fi and that we um yeah no i I think it's great i think it's a good movie i think it's more socioeconomic rather than um existential so yeah but uh at the same time it's very very good very much worth a watch buy it don't rent it all right thank you bill andrew uh i i actually really like this movie a lot um I, I mean, I'm still more in the the camp of the dubious sci-fi, um, sort of just cause they, they just didn't go into so much detail about what was going on. And I mean, I don't know, I know you don't necessarily have to go into detail about what's happening. I mean, we watched Mars attacks for God's sake, you know, we watched evolution, um, on a Patreon episode. <laughs> uh, but you know, I, I liked the movie a lot, you know I mean? I, I would buy it if I were in the uh, buying movies business, but I am currently not. So, uh, good sci-fi movie. Good good movie. Good, yeah, good. Fine, fine sci-fi, good movie. Fine sci-fi. Yeah, yeah, no, the first. That's, that's, I mean, that's fair. <laughs> that's, 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 that's totally fair, I think, in terms of sci-fi. No, it is. I, I, personally, I think this was a splendid movie. Mm-hmm. Ooh, another first. Um, not. It was, it was a good movie, and the sci-fi element to it, I think, is very strong. Um, oh, man, I always love it when it's a critique on our society, especially when the movie came out, we didn't know it was a critique on our society. And then, you know, 10 years later, we're like, oh, fuck. Okay, I get it. You know. Um, society doesn't change much. No. no. We live in a society. We live in a society. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um all around great movie if you haven't seen it yet 
first off, why are you this far into the podcast? You're an idiot. Thank but, you for your support. Thank you for your support and watch the movie. Idiot. In thank fact, don't just watch the movie, but also support the movie. Buy it. Because it did support not do us well first. in theaters. <laughs> support us both. Like, we're just like, wait, you got fourteen ninety nine. Well, do I have a place to put that fourteen ninety nine? Boy, Bill does have a place to put that fourteen ninety nine. Bill, where can they put that fourteen ninety nine? Well, I'm so glad you asked, Overlord. That is at patreon.com forward slash sci-fi cross sections. I believe on the, let's see here, the tier of $5. Yeah, so you get a whole bunch of bonuses. You get a whole bunch of uh, content that we're creating throughout the months, and uh, and we're building up more and more every month. So I just want to offer that to you guys, uh, memberships. Uh, you can just give us a couple bucks a month for support, and that's the biggest point. Or you can do um, the $5 tier, which is the one where you get bonus content, which is nothing. I mean, come on. And it means a lot to us because we're able to um, we're able to grow. And, you know, if you want to support us, that's the best way to go is patreon.com forward slash sci-fi cross sections. Thank you, Overlord. I need to feed my children of men. Yes, my children just, of other just men. feed your fucking children. <laughs> just honestly, not even children of men. Just feed your children. Just do it. All right. Just do it. But, but give us the $5 before you do yeah, that. Thank you. In fact, if, if you give us $5, <laughs> we'll feed children. That's a lie. We're not going to do that. Well, Bill might, but no. we're not going to do that. I will. Yeah. I will, definitely. Um, because he's the only one with children. Anyways, Ben, what can people do on Sundays? Uh, if you like fantasy, on Sundays you can check out Once Upon a Tavern and Dungeons & Dragons live stream every Sunday at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time. We are on Facebook Live at facebook.com slash onceuponatavern and on twitch.tv slash once underscore upon underscore a underscore tavern uh we just had a really good string of of really really good sessions uh so you can catch up on those at our youtube at bit.ly slash once upon a tavern uh that is all all right thank you andrew are we streaming are we not uh yeah we're streaming uh we're on um twitch.tv slash uh insert underscore game underscore here um i've also got a new podcast in the works so tune in to that when that happens Oh, I love uh, Loki spoilers. Yeah. Whatever that is. I don't know. Um, All right, folks. Next week, you can join us. We are doing Snowpiercer, the TV series, not the film, even though the film is fantastic and I recommend it. Uh, And we're not going to go into any more than that. We're just going to hit you blindside with Snowpiercer. And a lot of Jennifer Connelly, because I know we all love that. Ooh, I didn't know she was in that. She awakened me. She awakened my literally awakened Bill. She'll be in it. Um, Sorry, everyone. Jason and the Botkers couldn't make it tonight, but hopefully they'll be there next week. We'll find out next week. Uh, Until next time.